0: Hello, Serial fan. Welcome to our bumper season preview. It's story time as we jump into Spezia's colourful history, Super Pippo at Benevento, and urban myths about Crotone. All that plus Serial match previews, a takeover update, and all your usual beers and other business on this episode of Scudetto. hello and welcome to our third and final pre-season episode of Scudetto. So just five days until Serie A kicks off. Boaz, how are you feeling
1: about this? Are you excited? I'm actually as excited as I've been for a Serie A season in a long, long time.
0: That is fantastic news. And how about you, Kenya? Are you looking forward to the weekend games?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, looking forward to it very much. Uh, roll on Saturday.
0: Exactly. Well, we will be getting into some of the Saturday fixtures in part one. Uh, and in part two, we're going to do a deep dive into the three newly promoted teams. But first, let's do some beers. Boaz, what are you drinking?
1: Uh, Today I'm having a Lagunitas IPA. I found uh, an American pale ale here and I snatched it up as quickly as I could.
0: Sounds a lot better than last week's choice from you.
1: How about you, Kenny? What have you
0: got?
2: Uh, I've got a West Brewery St. Mungo uh, St. Mungo Lager. It's a Glaswegian brewery. Uh, would normally normally opt for something more like a session IPA uh, or a pale ale, but uh, yeah, they were a little bit limited in the, the supermarket. And uh, I've got to say, it's a very nice lager. Um, it's uh, does does everything you would you would want a lager to do. It's uh, crisp and refreshing. So uh, yeah, very happy.
0: Good stuff. Um, well, I've also managed to pick up a local beer. I've got a Fat Lizard One Hundred and One which is a California pale ale, but it's actually from a, a Finnish brewery. It's a strong name, and it's also a very good can. Um, we'll tweet you out a picture of it, uh, as, as we always do, under the hashtag Civilized Beers. Anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's quite nice. It's, it's a bit hoppy, but not too bitter. On to the football. So Milan season starts on Thursday. Uh, we a Europa League qualifier away at Shamrock Rovers. Uh, but Serie A itself kicks off on Saturday evening: Fiorentina versus Torino, followed by Verona versus Roma. And we're starting with Fiorentina Torino. So Kenny, how important is it that Fiorentina get off to a good start here?
2: Yeah, it is quite important. I wouldn't want to put too much weight on one game, but I think a lot of people were quite surprised uh, that Iacchini had his his contract extended uh, at the end of last year. They they did finish the season strongly, but um, were disappointing for for large spells of it. I, th- I think it is going to be crucial for him to, you know, set a course early on in, in the season for, for Fiorentina. Um, they will be expecting to to take a step up. And I think some of the signings they've made as well, you would expect them expect them to do that. On the other hand, Giampaolo's uh, on the other bench and he'll be looking to put the nightmare uh, of Milan behind him. So, you know, interesting stuff.
0: Yeah. And um, obviously Giampaolo coming in. Uh, how should we expect his team to line up against Fiorentina?
2: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Torino have for for quite a few seasons now have kind of opted for for back threes, really. Uh, but with Gianpaolo, he he prefers a back four. Uh, we're likely to see them uh, have something something like a four three one two formation. Uh, it's a bit of a shame that we're not going to see Rodriguez start uh, uh, at left back. He's actually he actually pulled up in in training with uh, an injury to the, an abductor in his right thigh, uh, but nevertheless, there's there's going to be lots of nice fresh uh, fresh blood to to see in action. Linetti, who obviously Giampaolo worked with uh, during his time at Sampdoria, and uh, Vojvoda, right back. So uh, that that will be interesting.
0: Something of the, the sort of dynamic of continuity versus revolution at, at play here. Would you agree?
2: Absolutely, and on the on the continuity front, Fiorentina have made uh, a few signings, uh, but uh, as we've said, Iachini is staying on, so they're likely to to line up in a similar sort of uh, fashion. Um, they will be without suspended Amrabat, which is a big shame because he was absolutely fantastic last season at uh, at Verona, but uh, Jack Bonaventura and uh, Biragi, who will be back from... Uh, loan spell at Inter after they opted not to exercise uh, the option to to buy him. So, yeah, like you said, uh, continuity of Iacchini versus the overhaul of Giampaolo, I think is what we're all expecting.
1: Rumors have it that uh, Borja Valero is, gonna, is on the way back to Fiorentina. So that could be another great midfielder for them. A slightly old, but uh, some great passing.
2: Yeah, I think we can expect to see some some more changes at Fiorentina by the time the, the window shuts. I know that there's reported interest in Chiesa, in Chiesa from Milan and uh, Castrovilli, of course, as well, we mentioned last week. So, you know, possibly a couple of players on the way out and they're also in the market for, for a striker. So I think the picture could change.
0: Stuff, But we can expect at least continuity for this weekend. Uh, so looking forward to seeing how they get on. Uh, in the other Saturday fixture, but as Roma visit Verona for their first freaking game. <laughs> their first game under the ownership of the Freak family. Uh, but let's talk about Verona first, shall we? Uh, they had a great first season in Serie A, finishing ninth. However, they'll be lining up quite differently on Saturday. But can you talk us through uh, some of the personnel changes they've had over the summer?
1: Even Juric is going to hope he's he'll be able to emulate uh, Gasperini who managed him under Genoa for 4 years in the sense that he's lost his entire midfield pretty much and he has to quickly put together a new midfield that uh, understands his game. Having said that, uh, as you mentioned Verona were one of the surprise packages last year, and at times played some delightful football. You also has like, some priors with with uh, Crotone, who also played some great football on the way up from Serie B. But more about them later. In any case, um, we know that Fabio Borini has left now that he's out of contract. Apparently, he's rumored to be going to West Ham, which is a very West Ham signing. They also, uh, as you mentioned, Arambat, he's gone back to uh, he's gone to Fiorentina. Which uh, he was really special for them last year, um, and they're sure to miss him. As I said, I trust that uh, Juic will be able to whip some uh, some of his new boys up and uh, get them ready for a new Serie A season. I, you know, Roma ended the season in a weird way last year, so maybe this is a good uh, game for Verona to start with.
0: Yeah, as, as you say, Roma had a bit of a strange end to the season. They probably are looking comparatively a little bit stronger, although obviously. Couple of notable absences. We spoke last week about Zaniolo, who snapped his ACL on international duty. Uh, Glad to hear that the surgery this week was successful, but still he's going to be out for a while. Uh, Another player that's going to be missing from last season's Chris Smalling. Obviously, Roma still haven't come to an agreement with Man United to make his move permanent. Uh, Obviously, he's going to be a big miss in the middle of central defence. But we saw some rumours in the Italian press this week that failing being able to make Smalling's move permanent, they might bring in Albanian national Marash Kumbor, uh, who will likely start this weekend's game on the other side for Hellas. So we'll be keeping an eye on his performance.
1: Kumbala is a football manager, a hot prospect for all those all those guys playing the recent edition of the game. <laughs> and uh, before I should butt in and say that uh, an interesting uh, buy from Verona is uh, Tamese from Nice. Last year he was on loan with Atalanta, and uh, he seemed to do pretty well when he came on the field. But for a bunch of reasons, including. Uh, buy clause an ob- obligatory by clause they ended up not playing him as much as maybe he would have wanted I think he's got a lot of potential
2: yeah and also obviously difficult to to dislodge uh, Freuler and in uh in that position bit of a tall order definitely
0: true and I think in general we'd expect Roma to take the points here right? uh, I think they overwhelmed Verona in this fixture last year and even without Zeniolo probably expect them to do the same again before we wrap up part one we need to talk about probably being off-field story of the week. Um, been reported that all clubs in Serie A have agreed to create a media company to handle the TV rights and they're reviewing bids from two private equity firms, Bain Capital and CVC Capital, for a 10% stake in this company. We sort of discussed this a little bit on the previous pod. Uh, it looks like it's moving in the direction that we expected, actually. Um, but there's one point we just wanted to expand on a little bit uh, related to the stadium redevelopment.
2: Yeah, yeah. So this is something that, uh, according to reports from from May was kind of central to at least the the CVC bid that that you mentioned there the idea that uh, that the league needed uh, modern stadia to to be more attractive for TV audiences with uh, obviously with the, the crowds closer closer to the games and to be honest also from the from the club's point of views uh essential really uh, in order to to get the revenues up to where the their counterparts in Germany Spain and and England are. Uh, this is. Uh, it's been named as Block Castadi, It was actually uh, introduced by former former Italian Prime Minister Matteo Renzi, uh, and the the idea is that it's making it easier for grants to be redeveloped. There's this designation at the moment uh, that a lot of stadia in Italy fall under of uh, buildings of uh, historical or cultural significance. Uh, this law aims to make make that less uh, less specific, less restrictive is probably probably a better word. And in turn, now that clubs can actually do something with their grounds, there's uh, much more of an argument for them to for them to buy them. Uh, and when they do that, obviously they can introduce more things in terms of club shops and the like. So I think this is almost as important as the. Uh, as the media, the media group story itself, because um, I, I do think it, it is one of the very important pieces of, of the jigsaw in bringing uh, Serie A up to the same sort of standards as the, the leagues, that it's been falling behind a little bit, if we're if we're totally honest, in recent years.
0: Absolutely. Um, obviously, everything you've just said is kind of predicated on the idea that we're going to have people back in the stadiums. Most people would expect that at some point that would be true if it's going to be in time for the holding period of a private equity company, maybe a different
2: question. Within five or six years are you saying Oscar? I (laughs) dearly hope so. God, the idea (laughs) of five or six years without fans in football stadiums is too much to bear. Yeah.
0: I mean, even like uh, one or two years is going to hurt their return in terms of uh, the length of the holding period. But anyway, we can get into that maybe another time i think we have to give a dishonorable mention i'm afraid to napoli president aurelio de laurentis who tested positive for coronavirus after the meeting and um, the meeting which was the first physical meeting of all Serie A chairmen since the start of the pandemic to discuss this
1: so last week i quoted zlatan and we had we had to add a little explicit sign on the podcast so I'm gonna be very careful when I describe the is here. But he's been a colossal idiot. You're meeting with a bunch of middle-aged men, probably some of them have some pre-existing conditions, and, and you you have symptoms, you've been tested for this disease that everyone knows about, and you still meet them, you shake their hands, you don't wear a mask.
2: What a clown. I mean, I would like to introduce a little bit of empathy here and be the voice of the voice of reason. He he was he, he did have many, his temperature taken many times on the way to the airport, at the airport, at the in the before entering the the hotel where the the meeting took place. For all accounts, it sounds like he didn't have a, a persistent cough. Nonetheless, the 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 suggestions, the guidelines are that if you're feeling unwell, you should have a test and wait until the results of those tests. So I can understand his. Frustration at not wanting any old illness to get in the way of uh, of of business life. Highly unfortunate that he flew back in a uh, in a private plane with the Benevento president Vigorito, who uh, yeah, I think was the first person he phoned uh, to to pass the news on that his tested result had uh, returned a positive result. And w- what was the excuse he was giving
1: everyone for uh, for not feeling well?
2: Oh, uh, he had, I'm not sure if it was indigestion or a uh, stomach bug as a result of eating oysters. Which Fantastic.
1: is, <laughs> That's brilliant.
2: Yeah. I do want to wish him a speedy recovery, though, because uh, I think that's important.
0: Well, I'll let our listeners decide, but for me, it's a definite dishonorable mention. Uh, but we do actually have an honorable mention for, from you, Burr's.
1: Um, we went. We spoke at depth about uh, McKinney uh, in our first episode and it was good to see that he really shone in uh, the first game for Juventus. They beat Novara 5-0 and he bossed the midfield. Also pod favorite Kulzevski, uh seems to have a great telepathy with Cristiano Ronaldo which bodes well for Juventus and Pirlo throughout the season.
0: Good stuff. Well, that's all for part one. We'll be back with part two shortly.
2: Hello, Serie A fan. Make Scudetto a part of your weekly football fix. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite listening platform, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ScudettoPod. We'd love to have you on the squad.
0: Hello, and welcome to part two, where, as promised, we're going to do deep dives on the free promoted clubs. But first, we've got some questions from listeners. So I'm going to Steal these out quick fire to our panel. Uh, starting with you, Kenny. Tifosi Down Under asks, will Juve make it 10?
2: I'm going to say no. I, I'm, I'm opting for Inter this season.
0: And Boaz, which newly promoted side will stay up?
2: Um,
1: having done a little bit of research about him, I think Benevento are best placed to stay up this season.
0: Signing of the window so far, uh, you'd be tempted to say Tanali. I'm going to go for the re-signing of Zlatan Ibrahimovic.
2: I'm going to say Hakimi. I would say Hakimi as well. I think it has been a lot of focus on Tonali, but uh yeah, that's great business by Inter.
0: Anybody wanna weigh in on first manager to be sacked?
2: Oh i gotta I'm gonna go with Yakini after part one. That might be harsh. I'm not venturing into this one. I I
0: then you can take breakout star. Tonali easily. And the last one I can take when you're joining our fantasy league, we we will get around to that this week. I think we're gonna enter a collective team. Jesse Fox asks well, he says Kaka was one of his favorite players growing up. Absolutely electric for Milan. If you're still playing now, which... you're, He said European side. I'm going to say Serie A side. Would you be most excited to drop him into, Kenny? I
2: think good call on the, the Serie A. Uh, and I am going to say Napoli, just because I want him reunited with Gennarino Gattuso as soon as possible.
0: I assume you're going to say Milan bars.
1: Well, first of all, we we are assuming it's... I'm assuming it's peak Kaka we're getting here and not like... 39 year old say
0: if you were playing now and in his prime
1: okay I think it would be quite interesting to see him at uh, Roma actually why not
0: yeah I was going to say Roma especially because uh, Zaniola is obviously out injured I think they could use his services okay and finally Mike Buchanan says he wants to learn more about the presenters I don't think we no. can help him out with that one yeah no,
2: no. <laughs> not that interesting the football is more interesting
0: Good stuff. Right. So on to our deep dives, we're going to start off with a fairy tale about Spezia. So Spezia joined Genoa and Samp in representing Liguria in the top division. Despite this being the club's maiden journey in the top flight, they hold a special place in Italian folklore. But what can you tell us about them?
1: So um, a team consisting of essentially all of Spezia's players plus the firemen of Spezia, I suppose, Ended up somehow winning the league in 1944. It was a kind of convoluted system with um, regional championships, and then uh, it was supposed to be a four-way final, but uh, Lazio were unable to make it because of the Second World War, of course. So it ended up being a three-way final, and uh, against all odds, this team that cons- that was partly Spezia won, beating Il Grande Torino amongst uh, the one of the three teams that made the final. Just to clarify,
0: when I said the first, uh, Maiden Voyage in the top flight, I meant in the modern top flight. I'm not sure if you'd count this, this proto-championship as the top flight.
1: So exactly, um, a, week after, a few weeks after they won this tournament, the then-fascist uh, uh, Football Federation decided to annul the tournament and uh, Spezia have been recriminating this championship ever since. Until uh, in 2002, uh, a bunch of local journalists and local celebs kind of managed to petition the Serie A and the FGC to give them an honorary championship. And therefore, Spezia wear a special tricolor that is different to the one you get when you win the championship. But they wear it proudly on their shirt. Good
0: stuff. What can you tell us about the modern team who's the manager of Vincenzo Italiano?
2: Yeah, I think most most uh, fans, long term fans of uh, Italian football, will be very familiar with him, and he's very well placed uh, as both in his both in his playing career and his managerial career. He is not a stranger to a relegation or a promotion uh, dogfight. Spent a long time at Verona as a player, um, but uh, as as a manager as well, he's been involved in playouts, uh, playoffs. And he's won promotions with both both Verona sides, actually, Chievo and, uh, and Genoa as well. So, And um,
1: Italiano's uh, management career has pretty much been on an upward cycle ever since he started managing just a few years ago. He took uh, Serie D side Arsignano all the way to the playoff championships, and uh, they won it, eventually not being promoted on a technicality. But by that point, he'd already gone off to Trapani. And again, he kind of achieved a miracle with them, getting them up to Serie B. Um, And once more, he didn't stick around for more than one season. Uh, Last season, he joined Spezia with some moderate expectations, but nothing more than that. And uh, surprising everyone, they achieved the third place finish, which is the club's highest finish ever, and went on to beat uh, Sando Nesta's for Zinone in the playoff final, um, you're going to love this Oscar because you're a big fan of Italian weird Italian football rules, but essentially Spezia beat Frosinone 1-0 in the first leg and lost 1-0 in the second leg, but Spezia went up on a bit the basis that they finished higher up in the league. So that's uh, Italiano's management career, which has been very promising, and for the first time ever, he's sticking around for a second season at the club, which will be interesting to see
0: good stuff. And uh, what sort of squads he got to work with?
1: There's a it's an interesting mix of players. Um, You can't say that Spezia have gone crazy in the transfer market yet. But uh, I'm quietly quite confident that they'll do a good job and that uh, that they'll fit the way the coach plays quite well. They have a journeyman Bulgarian striker Galabinov, who has played for 10 clubs already. He'd already had a crack at Serie A with Genoa in 2017-2018, uh, getting just three goals in 20 games. So I'm sure he wants, he'll wants he want to prove himself again now that he's back up. An interesting fact about him is that both his parents were professional sports people and that his grandfather was the Bulgarian national team manager. So uh, he has some pedigree. Uh, another interesting player for them is uh, young Croatian centre-back Martin Edric, who uh, re- debuted just last week for the Croatian under 21, and apparently gave a really good account of himself. They also have a guy called Giulio Maggiore, who's in the under 21 setup for Italy, and he's a product of their youth setup, which is uh, also promising to hear.
0: So, we've got a, a few few names to look out for there. Have, have there been much? Have they brought anyone in following their promotion?
1: It's been a strange transfer window for them in the sense that they've they've seemed to sign some. Very useful players, but no one that uh, strikes you as a superstar. Um, They brought in Jacopo Sala, who's only 28 still, but uh, seemingly he's been around forever. He was part of Chelsea's youth system. He was in Atalanta's Primavera. He played 21 games in the Bundesliga for Hamburg. And also he um, uh, he had eight years in Serie A between Spal, Sampdoria and Verona. Last season was a disastrous season for him at Spal, which ended in relegation but he was often played out of position. So maybe back to his right-back role with Spezia will do him well. And perhaps the most uh, exotic signing, let's call it for them, is uh, Jeroen Zoet, the goalkeeper. He's a three-time Dutch champion, so he comes with a pedigree and he's also played about 20 games in the Champions League. He used to be in the Dutch setup uh, and was touted with a move to uh, Crystal Palace back when... Uh, De Boer was managing them. I'm not sure that's such a good uh, endorsement, (laughs) but uh, still, uh, it's an interesting signing. And beyond the language barrier, I think uh, he'll give them some solidity with the back. Good stuff. And the final point about Spezia is that they'll be traveling 300 kilometers for every home game as they're playing in Cesena. Um, I'm not really sure why they're doing that. Their stadium is under construction, but since there is no fans in the stadium anyway, would, would it really matter if they played in the stadium? But that's not for me.
0: Thank you very much for that, Fairy Tale Bars. We'll look forward to seeing them in action the week after next. Kenny, what can you tell us about Benevento, the runaway Serie B winners last season? you Give us a bit of background.
2: Yeah, I mean, runaway, runaway Serie B winners is a very, very apt description. They they won the league with uh, with seven games to spare, I think it was. Uh, they were top scorers in the league had the best defensive record uh very very uh very dominant really as a club it's their second stint in city so maybe not quite the the fairy tale that Buzz has has just told you but last time they were actually relegated with 21 points uh, according to to my notes uh, after work recording the worst start to a top flight campaign in any of Europe's top 5 leagues in history uh, so hopefully they'll they'll do they'll do better this time uh, on the basis of last season's form uh, on the basis of last season's performances. They're very well organised, resilient team. Picked up points on more than one occasion when they were when they were down to. To ten men, uh, I'm particularly excited, and I imagine Boaz probably is as well, uh, to see Inzaghi back in in Syria to see his antics. It's uh, it's going to be great to to have him back after disappointing stints at Bologna and Milan. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw this. I think we retweeted possibly retweeted some of these from our uh, from our Twitter account. But there are some great videos of Pjanic uh, on social media. One in particular, where he scores a goal in tra- training and wheels away as if he's uh, in front of eighty thousand fans at San Siro, while all of his uh, all of his players, his employees, or his the players that he's managing, uh, kind of look on bemused. And another one of him basically behaving like a lead ultra after uh, after Benevento secured promotion uh leading the the singing and jumping up and down like an absolute lunatic in the in the changing room. So yeah, lots and lots of, of fun to be had there. I do want to say we we I mentioned that uh his Bologna and Milan stints weren't particularly great. Um, he does have uh a very, very good track record at uh, Venezia where he won promotion in his in his first season and then guided them to the Serie B playoffs uh, the season afterwards where they, they lost in the semi-final so uh yeah he he, he is it's not it's not all about what he what he did in Serie yeah, he's by all accounts had a great season last year uh and it's not the first time
1: I have to say I'm I love the people in Zaghi as a player and it really hurts me to have to say this but um I'm not sure he's cut out to be a manager and I, I'd like to bring up a quote from. Uh, Part-time footballer, full-time playboy, Adil Rami. Who, um, <laughs>
2: I thought you were going to do this.
1: He, uh, he was of course managed. He man- was managed by people back in his Milan days, and he was. His quote was, "I have to thank him because it made me realize that I too can be a manager when I get older. If he has managed to get there, anyone can do it. It was such a disaster. Oof. Well. uh... <laughs>
0: Cutting comments aside, what sort of a squad has he got to work with? Would you give him a chance on
2: on on the basis of what he himself said in the in the Italian media? I think uh, yesterday he says he's very very happy with the the business that, that Benevento have done. Um, a particular point of interest, I guess, would be uh, Roberto Insignia, who has been with them for for a couple of seasons. The brother of Napoli and Italy's Lorenzo, but he's been very important for them. Over the last couple of seasons, he's got 18 goals and uh, 17 assists. Uh, in terms of their transfer business, I, I I think in one of our pilot episodes, uh, we were banging on about La Padula. Um, but they've, they've brought him in, and that could be a very decent piece of uh, business. He was... Uh, one of, the, one of the bright sparks in uh, a Lecce side that, that struggled uh, last season, arguably him and, and Mancoso were what kept them in with a, in with a chance, really. Uh, an interesting signing, actually, is uh, Camille Glick, who's uh, someone that, again, um, Italian football fans will already know quite a lot about. Um, a big centre-back, notably had a, a long, I think it was five-year spell, with uh with torino but still still a polish international uh, and spurs and wolfsburg both had scouts watch him before his uh, big money move to monaco in uh, 2016 so he's 32 years 32 years old now but uh was pretty much an ever-present in the, the monaco side uh, last season uh admittedly not the best not the best monaco side
0: Benevento, we'll look forward to seeing them in action. Um, they're not playing this weekend either, though. Um, so it'll be next Saturday, the 26th of September, and they're away to Sampdoria. So the last promoted team, and we've got another. We've got story time with Burrs again. Now, Bears told you told me the other day that uh, Crotone is named because that's where the crouton was invented. Now, that's, <laughs> that's actually not true. <laughs> But can you tell me some things about them that are true?
1: Fans of Crotone must be in in constant touch with their cardiologists, judging by the last five seasons the club has had. After pretty much cruising to their first ever Serie A appearance under Ivan Juric, they survived the drop on their final day of the season with a heroic win versus Lazio, coming back from a 1-0 down to win 3-1. The next season, unfortunately, they were relegated uh, and they were largely expected to come right back up two seasons later. But instead, they were pulled into some crazy relegation dogfight and they couldn't get a point. Despite their best attempts, they were playing some good football. But Giovanni Stoppa was sacked and in his place, World Cup winner Massimo Odo was brought in, but he managed to only get two points in seven games and quickly left. At which point, as a kind of a last-ditch attempt, uh, last-ditch attempt, Giovanni Stoppa was brought back in, and from then on, the club has never looked back. Uh, he got 30 points in about uh, in the last games of the season, in that two seasons ago, managing to survive. And uh, this season, they pretty much cruised again to Serie A, uh, second only to Benevento, who had a pretty alien season. People who play football manager will be delighted to know that uh, Crotone have signed about 15-plus players. They have the likes of Luca Marone, Luca Cigarini, and Andrea Rispoli, who are all well over 30, but they bring some Serie A uh, experience. They also have a guy called Eduardo Enrique, who signed from Sporting. Didn't really get much game time in uh, Portugal, but he looks like a really good ball-winning midfielder. And uh, maybe he could shine. Good, Goodbye for your Fantacalcio, perhaps. They also signed a guy called Milos Vulic from Red Star, Belgrade, who played against Spurs. Uh, in October last season, so you may remember him. And uh, they have a Chilean trequartista who's about 18 years old, and he he was a superstar in the the World Cup for under 17s, and also the South American World uh, South American Championship. His name is Luis Rojas, so uh, maybe one to keep an eye on again. And lastly, they signed uh, Argentinian defender Magalan, who Kenny knows a little bit about.
2: Yeah, I think Magallan, Magallan could uh, could be a very 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 interesting signing for for them. Uh, he so he came came through the the youth system at, at Boca. I think spent a couple of periods on loan while while he was there, uh, but big things were expected of him. He did break his way into that that Boca team, but I think he was linked with uh, Man City while he was coming through there uh eventually ended up with a, a move to Ajax where he understandably uh you know struggled to to break his way into a, a very very strong Ajax side and he was actually on at Alaves uh last last season was in and out of the starting 11 there but uh nonetheless obviously a very very exciting uh prospect as a young player um, and called up at various age groups for for Argentina and Argentina don't tend to to call up per players so i'm interested to see to see him in A. Nice one
0: Essentially we have no idea what they're going to be like because they've changed the entire squad but um the striking partnership looks like it's going to stick around right
1: So this is a nice story because um their strike partnership consists of uh, Junior Messias and Juan Cosimi uh, the former's arrival in Serie A is a real, another fairy tale for this episode. Uh, just a few years back, he was working odd jobs in Turin and playing in an amateur league. Uh, a bunch of Serie B clubs were interested in him, but no one could sign him because of the EU rules, uh, signing players outside of the EU. Eventually, um, a club, uh, Gozano, took a gamble on him, and he caught the attention of Cortone's scouts. And today he takes all of Cortone's free kicks. So... Uh, He's almost 30 or and, you know, to see him line up in Serie A is kind of a nice story to see. And their other striker is uh, Nuan Kosimi, who um, ended up being top goal scorer in Serie B last year with 20 goals. Um, and pretty much he's, uh, I know it's like kind of a cliche to say he's got big feet for a big man, but the guy is one meter 96 and he's moving around like he's a ballerina. It's ridiculous. Really, you need to do yourself a favor and check out his goal versus Cittadella in July, which was... He just jumped around He ran past defenders super easily.
0: We'll be uh, we'll be sure to check that out. I think the phrase is actually a good feet for a big man rather than big feet. But we'll be sure to uh, check out the size and the speed of his feet. So I think that. uh, Thank thanks very much to both of you for the uh, the fairy tales and. the, the analysis of the newly promoted teams. I think we've just got a few honourable mentions before we wrap up. Uh, Boaz, over to you.
1: So linking up to the just speaking about uh, nwankosimi um I went and checked some of the goal, top goal scorers in Serie B and it's, it's a real who's who of uh, of Italian so- football greats. Uh, you have uh, Betega, Kinalia, Pruzzo, Paolo Rossi, Toto Schillacci, Abel Balbo, Del Piero, Lucatoni. And um, players we, we fancy, or we, we're going to speak about this season, there's Caputo, there's Lampadula, and there's Immobile. So uh, Cerebi is definitely a jumping point for a lot of players' careers. And I hope that Nuan Cosimi can join this, uh, the lead,
0: this elite group. And Kenny, another honourable mention for
1: you.
2: Yeah, it's an honourable mention by request. If I'm if I'm honest, uh, for Aaron Hickey who completed his move from Heart of Midlothian to to Bologna, um, I think for for him personally, this is uh, it's a really admirable admirable move. He apparently had uh, Celtic and Bayern Munich interested in him. Um, no guarantees there that he was going to feature in in the first team. Whereas it seems like uh, Mihailovic actually has plans for him at, uh, Bologna, uh, to, to address the, the, the question, which has led to this honorable mention, I guess, what can, what can we expect of him? Well, he's got absolute bags, bags of energy getting up, up the, uh, the, the left wing. He very much looks like a, uh, a modern day, modern day, uh, fullback, um, getting involved in creating almost as much as, as defending, but to, to be honest the the it's probably there's a temptation to liken him to uh, to people like Andy Robertson uh, the truth is that for me he's he's I don't want to say he's better defensively than Andy Robertson that Andy Robertson has a Premier League winners medal and a Champions League winners medal but he certainly has a very 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 good awareness for for such a young such a young player he's 18 years old Made his debut as a 16-year-old, played in the Scottish Cup final as a 16-year-old, scored his debut goal, an absolute cracking, uh, very late winner in the Edinburgh Derby. Uh, I think possibly a bit raw, so I maybe wouldn't expect him to, to, to feature certain needs early on uh, this season but he'll be lots of fun for for bologna fans and i really hope he learns a lot off of uh, Mihailovic, who played in similar positions to him uh to a very very high level so well done aaron hickey well done bologna uh yeah i think that meets the requirements for an honorable mention
0: yeah that was an extended honorable mention but we'll let you off as it was uh provoked via listener question just one from me. Uh, it's a begrudging honorable mention to Tim Castagna and Alan. Uh, Alan ran the game against Mourinho Spurs, uh, helping them to a, a 1 0 away win. And uh, Tim Castagna bagged in a 3 0 win for Leicester. Um, so fair play to them representing Serie A in the Premier League.
1: And uh, I, f- I think th- Tim Castagna is going to be the first player ever to get an honorable mention and a dishonorable mention in the same game because. In an interview he gave recently, he said that he didn't have a great feeling with uh, Gasperini and that Gasperini didn't give him any explanations when he was left out of the side. I think that's uh, maybe he could have avoided that.
0: Yeah, maybe not the most diplomatic. Anyway, that's all we do have time for this week. So we're looking forward to bringing you the first Scudetto, which will actually feature some Serie A football next week. Um, We're going to be bringing it to you a day later than usual. Uh, because I'm actually going to be traveling in northern Finland, going up to hopefully catch the northern lights uh, in Lapland. So sorry about that. It's a dishonorable mention for me. Um,
2: dishonorable and- mention for Oscar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we'll be we'll be back next week with all of the Serie analysis. So look out for that. Um, until then, please do subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter at ScudettoPod. Enjoy the football que está teclado.